Hey, Sean. Yes. Have you ever been charged for something that you no longer have in your possession? Yes. Oh. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, it's my uh, fault. I broke it. But yes, go on. But hold on. Like, what do you mean you broke? No, was that's not what I mean. I mean, like, did you ever buy something and then return it only to find out that you were charged for it a second time? I don't think so. Maybe. No. See, Amazon did that to me. Yeah, but that's Amazon. They suck. Oh, well, see, this is super scammy of them or scummy, whatever you might want to call it. So I bought something way back in November of 2020, the greatest year ever, and I ended up returning it. And now what Amazon was doing for a while, or I guess they're still doing it, is instead of waiting for the items to be received at one of their warehouses, once it's scanned in through uh, Canada Post or UPS's tracking system, they automatically issue a refund, right? Because it was scanned in Canada Post's tracking system. So it's out of your hands. So I get this random ass charge on my credit card for $51.99. And I'm thinking like, what the hell? I didn't buy anything. And it turns out that Canada Post lost the item that I returned. And Amazon, instead of assuming that or realizing that this is a Canada Post issue, I'm the one that had to pay for it. So I contacted them and I, you know, was very calm and raging at the same time. And it's just a bunch of scammy, fraudulent activity on Amazon's part. And, you know, Jeff, our buddy Jeff Bezos has got enough money, don't you think? Just a little bit. Yeah, but so I'm kind of turned off from Amazon right now, but. You know what I'm not turned off on? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'm worried. Uh, I got a raging, <laughs> raging excitement for this episode of the Seat on Screen podcast. Hey, whether it's your favorite tabletop adventure, movie, or video game, we've got you covered. Welcome to the Seat on Screen podcast with your hosts, Sean and David. Do you know what's never a turn off? This theme song. My God, it's yeah. still bumping. A year it, it, later, almost. Yeah, we're almost at, uh, well, we're we're not quite a year later. I how, would say... How uh, far deep are we? We're almost, we're almost at a year. I want to say April was... We'll have to look back, back into the archives. But you know what? We're almost... Well, actually, to the day. It has been a year since... The Canadian, I guess at least the Ontario government, or was it, I guess it was the federal government initiated a lockdown. When we shut her down? Of the country. I guess it was just Ontario. Yeah. How time has flied. Yeah. It's funny because when we started the pandemic, what seems to be just a year ago, like, if you remember February and March of last year, like it was all the it's Corona time. TikToks yeah, it, and videos. It was almost and, like party, right? And anytime somebody would like be seen being taken out of a mall on a stretcher or something, people would just freak out. And now it's just like, it's so normal to see people. Just, just dying on the streets. You well, know, like I walk down the street and I wouldn't just say that, but like, you know, rotting what I mean. corpses. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's uh it's very different the world we live in now for yeah. sure everybody's a lot more cautious and like i mean Too my building now right. people are just not taking liberties it's stupid i think people have figured out that if you decide not to wear a mask you could just get it on the elevator quicker nobody wants to hang out near you oh that's true yeah it's like yeah there's uh, this there, there's this one guy that lives in the uh, apartment building he's like this old guy and i have grown over the last year to hate him more and more and more he was already kind of a rude asshole to begin with like not not rude in the sense of like i want to speak to the manager kind of thing but just you know no respect for other people in the sense that uh he will just walk onto the elevator even though there was you know four or five other people waiting and he just he just doesn't really have any disregard for for the other people in the building. And over the last year, it's just getting worse and worse with him. Like he, he would never wear a mask. He would, he would stand like right up next to you. He would squish into the elevator when there was already like three people in there. And it's like, now he's, he's at least carrying a mask around with him, but it's in his shirt pocket. I guess technically he's wearing it, but I think it's funny now. A year later, and um, people are still forgetting, and I'm air quoting that, forgetting their masks in their cars and stuff like that. And yeah, it sucks. We've been doing this for a year. It sucks. We know I, we're all tired of it. But you know, it's it's people like this that or that is the reason why things are not getting better faster than they should be. But alas, there's not much we can do about it. We had some great times, though, in the last year. You and I went on some great, great adventures. And I'm sure we adventures. will go on more. I'm just thinking uh, it's it's almost, I think it's like coming up due time that we go on another adventure. Yo, before I was, everything locks down again. I was thinking that the other day. I was like, and now we have more purpose to drive further because I don't work down there, so I won't hate it. Yeah, and uh, you know, with the, the weather getting nice, it's it's uh, this week was the nicest week so far in the last few months. The temperature finally broke the double digits in Celsius, <laughs> uh, positive digits. Yeah, and it was 12 degrees about 20 minutes ago while I was in the car. Yeah, and I, I had to go drive with the windows down. It's been great. It's almost barbecue season. Not quite. But almost. Almost barbecue season. You know what else is uh, sizzling hot right now? What's that? The Microsoft and Bethesda acquisition. Yo, before we do this, I have like the funniest thing I want to read you. I don't don't necessarily want to post it just because I think because of... The sensitivities of some people, it's just not worth posting a meme like this. But um, if you may or may not have heard, cancel culture has taken another uh, cartoon character. I thought it was pretty bad when the Paw Patrol policeman got uh, like he lost his job because he was a police officer. And they didn't want kids to look up, uh, look up to uh, a doggy police officer. But uh, Pepe Le Pew has been canceled. What? Yeah, have you not heard this? No. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, he is. Uh, he's been canceled because of his uh, his tendencies to be a little bit too forward with women, women skunks, and cats. Well, and- that's that's what people have done. It's not really his fault. Yeah, that's I, the uh, memers. It's funny because he was being compared to the French guy in Euro Trip, who was always like, "Excuse me, excuse me." Yeah. Um, I just want to read you a quick meme. So. Uh, somebody clipped the bottom of an article saying, goodbye, Peppy. Here's why the longtime Looney Tunes character was canceled. And it had like 3000 sad faces and somebody by the name of Joe Pug. I'm assuming this is his real name. Great. I'm glad he's canceled and my children are safe. Now my son can get back to playing Grand Theft Auto where he just set fire to a hooker so he didn't have to pay her for sex. Yeah, I know, right? I love the fucking internet. It's so they're good. They're trying to cancel Dr. Seuss. No, they're just getting rid of, like, the racist books. And, like, some of them were legitimately racist. So you can't, you can't, you can't get mad at stuff that they did. You know? Mm-hmm. Now, you were, uh, you were saying something about Bethesda. I just, I really wanted to get that out there because I just, I thought the meme was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. So when was it? March 9th was the official finalization of, uh, Microsoft. Now I guess owning Bethesda or ZeniMax, which is the parent company. So now Microsoft officially owns the company's Bethesda. Um, what is it? Sledgehammer games, ghost, they, yeah, they own, what are these they names? I, I don't even know what half these names well, they, are. They own Arcane Studios. That's it. Soft or ID Soft. I think it's ID Software, and then they have uh, Tango GameWorks, right? And I don't know if they own. Um, where's the wiki for it? There we go. So they own Xenomax. Well, Xenomax Z- is like the parent company, right? Yeah, they yeah. also they also had a share in Oblivion Studio, or not Oblivion, uh, uh, Obsidian Studios. Obsidian, that's right. Um, but Obsidian kind of like was like, "No, we're out of here. Get lost." Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't see any other Softworks things that they own because they were they're a subsidiary of Xenomax, right? Uh, yeah, we should have researched this a little more right before we started talking about it, huh? I mean, we did have a bunch of research done and then <laughs> we just got to went off the rails. That's true. It's OK. We we know the main ones that they own and that's fine. What the hell? Yeah. So anyways, so this is kind of a big deal because like obviously it was announced a few months ago. Um, But obviously these types of purchases aren't just like, it's not like you're going into a Best Buy or whatever and saying, hello, I would like to buy Bethesda. Here's some money. Give me Bethesda, right? Yeah. Leave with it. So there's a whole bunch of legal legal mumbo jumbo that they have to go through. Um, And it's done. So this means, this is like some big news for Xbox gamers 
and I guess PlayStation gamers because no longer like these are some major major game companies. Um, they've they make some of like the biggest games out there and some of the most popular games, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Fallout games, uh, Wolfenstein, uh, Elder Scrolls, Doom. Just to say a few, right? Doom in the last, yeah, Doom. When was like it was it 2016 when Doom was kind of like remade? Yeah, and they like kind of brought it all back. Yeah, so it's been um, it's been quite a ride for sure, and there's a a ton of games now that are that could literally be Microsoft exclusives. Now we should be so, clear because I do have the list up in front of me now. Um, while the biggest news of like or that made it official was the fact that Bethesda software uh, softworks and Bethesda, uh, Bethesda's gaming studios are now owned by Microsoft. It's the parent company that was actually purchased by Microsoft, as David said, with Xenomax. And the the official list of all companies they own are Alpha Dog Games, Arkham Studios, Bethesda Softworks, Bethesda Game Studios, Machine Games, Roundhouse Studios, which is no longer, Tango Gameworks, and Xenomax Online Studios. So there you go. Now, a lot of the games that are published by Bethesda Game Studios are mainly of three varieties, Arkham Studios, ID Software, and for a small period of time, Obsidian, which decided to kind of go off on their own. That, and they were really pissed off that Mm -hmm. Bethesda took a ton of credit for Oblivion and Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas. Awkward. Yeah, but um, like with that in mind, though, it's still this is still there's still a a huge future ahead for the games and the companies that are making these games. And like, hold for example, Deathloop was a is a prime example. This is a game that Sony had exclusive rights to. Right. They probably put in a ton of money um just into development right because you don't get an exclusive deal unless you put a bunch of money into it right and as we've discussed in previous episodes sony likes to put money into things so that they keep it right? oh absolutely so the fact that they have lost one of their i almost want to say one of their biggest exclusives because it's a new game from a very prominent developer and they've lost it as an exclusive. It's coming onto Xbox and PC as well. Um, this is a big deal because it just shows that now they don't really hold all the cards. Um, and Microsoft is, I think this is good. And I know that in the last, the last time that we discussed this was a few months ago when like the news broke. Um, I said this is good for everyone because well, it's only they, really bad for one studio or one company. Yeah, um, and and we'll have to see how things kind of play out. I might have to change that statement later on, depending on how Microsoft um, handles the situation. But for the time being, this is good for everyone because this is preventing Sony from having exclusive rights to a lot of games 
like a lot of AAA games. Yeah, they uh, are still going to get Deathloop, and I think they're going to have a time exclusive on something else. I just honestly can't remember. Yeah. Oh, I think it's Ghostwire Tokyo. They're going to still have mm-hmm. their their timed exclusive. But it's like the crazy part about it, too, and just to, to kind of go into it before we get into the detail of some of uh, what we've learned over the last few days is the the sheer amount of fuck you that just happened between Microsoft and Sony. Sony's never really wanted to play like like play ball, right? Like look at mm-hmm. um speaking of play ball, look at the MLB titles, right? Well, that's that- kind of different though because that was a Sony that was a a Sony second party company. You you're you're absolutely right, but it was the players association that got involved with like the MLB being like, we would like our product to be more accessible Mm -hmm. to everyone kind of forcing them into a corner. Microsoft quietly just start. I like, we don't know the details on whether or not Xenomax was ever offered to Sony or another big company like hell Google. If they would have bought that, that would have been brilliant or Mm -hmm. Ubisoft. That would have been pretty smart too, but they didn't. Microsoft just kind of went, flexed their muscles, and bought it. They Disneyed it, for lack of a better term. That's they, true. They literally just Disneyed a company that they know. And we all know Starfield's coming out because we saw it, what, three years ago. And that was literally just like the title screen, which is exactly what we've seen from Metroid Prime 4. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft knows they have that. They own that. Nobody else owns that right now. Do you want to sell the rights to Sony or do you go, well, you know, you keep winning game of the year because you keep paying for it with things made by Naughty Dog. So we're going to do this. And I mean, like Sony has had its share of exclusives that are not made by Naughty Dog, specifically thinking of things like Spider-Man or God of War 2018. Like there, there's a lot of really big games and maybe Microsoft made this move to try and win game of the year. I mean, picking up a Bethesda game studio game to win game of the year. It's a little tough because most of their games are super buggy, but I, I mm-hmm. mean, nothing can be more buggy than cyberpunk. Uh, so we think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Elder Scrolls six is like holding my beer. Um, <laughs> hold the beer twice you just left yeah me yeah so th- this what makes it kind of more interesting to me anyways is the the purchase price was uh reported at 7.5 billion dollars right that's not chump change either we all know that for years it's been kind of i guess out there that sony's been hemorrhaging money for a lot of time and they've had to cut back on a lot of their resources. Hell, their movie their their movie division has lost a lot of big characters. They're squabbling over Spider-Man, which they're probably gonna lose the rights to soon because they can't afford to keep making these movies. Their television and camera divisions have shrunk. And the PlayStation 5, not only is it just not available to people because they can't keep up to demand, they're selling it at such a loss that they can't keep up to the demand and they're making no money. Well, the uh, PS3 was like that too. And then it ended up becoming 
one of the best-selling consoles, right? But this is six months later. Well, granted, they did release it right in the middle of a pandemic. Six months later. So uh, there's still um, stock issues with the Xbox as well. Yeah. And you know what? You say they released it within the pandemic. And I know Microsoft did the exact same thing. And yes, they have a shortage as well. However, they knew or we all knew about the PS5 in June, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think they were just like waiting for the production to just like ramp up in September? They could have started sooner. Hindsight's 2020. Yeah, but we don't know exactly when they started production, right? But we we also do know companies had ways around a bunch of like that. Like, yeah, but oh, guaranteed though, guaranteed though, they they started production way way before, you know. But like, it's it's been a year since they even if they started in March of last year, right? Even before then, you know, China was a lot of it was shutting down because of the coronavirus. That's true, um, and it was way before March that it was there it was it was like december of 2019 that it was that it was just kind of getting out of out of hand in china and it was expanding to different countries in that area so it's it's not that sony stopped production of the playstation 5 or or didn't start until late there's so many other problems that happen that were happening over there that at the time we didn't even think of, right? Like, cause last February we were going off on our, you know, day-to-day business as if nothing was going wrong in the world. Right. And then bam, a month later, everything shut down and we're stuck at home. So it's, it's not that I, I, I don't think that it's Sony's fault that inventory is, short i think there's other factors in play and it has affected microsoft as well i just think that microsoft's system um is potentially easier to manufacture or it has smaller or or i guess cheaper more common components um and we know that microsoft has been working on the xbox series x for the last few years, right? Like they announced it, what, like two years before its release? True. Right? So I think though, like Sony was kind of banking on the exclusive games for the PS5 to drive the sales. And the game and the system just released at a a bad time with everything going on in the world. Right. And like you were, you said, like their other departments are losing money, but when you think about it, it's my Sony is a multimedia company, not just a video game company. Like uh, Microsoft is a computer company and a tech company, right? Like they don't have, you know, departments for TV and movies that they have to worry about. Right. They have their Xbox division. They have their windows division. And then they have others like smaller tech related divisions where Sony has their TV production. They have their audio stuff. They have their video games. They have TV uh, and film. They have, you know, like they have a little bit of everything. And 
unless Sony starts building houses, right? Which that's the market that seems to be booming right now. Um, it makes sense that they are losing money in a lot of stuff. We talked about this a, a little while ago. We don't even remember the last movie we, we saw in theaters, let alone the last time we went to the theater. Right. That's true. So the fact that trying to get back to Microsoft's acquisition of Bethesda, the fact that now Sony has lost the opportunity to even get exclusive rights to some of these Bethesda games or ZeniMax company games is a huge blow to them because guaranteed Microsoft isn't going to let Sony have exclusive rights to one of those games anymore. They might still have a timed exclusive exclusivity for like Deathloop and a few other ones that were announced before their acquisition, but they're going to come out on Xbox, you know, and if anything, Microsoft is going to make certain games exclusive to the Xbox and the PC, if at least for a year, right? Which uh, they don't do very often to people. And and I think they are in, they have com- complete rights to do so, um, given the fact that Sony has been doing this for a long time. Look at Final Fantasy VII Remake, you know? That game, granted, and a lot, pretty much all the Final Fantasy games up until the last few years have been exclusive to Sony systems. So they have, this is probably one of the most wanted games in the final fantasy universe of all time, right? A remake of final fantasy seven. And they had the year exclusive contract with square Enix for that. And that's coming up uh, in April. Um, So Microsoft yeah, like you said, Microsoft isn't really one to do that. But I think now that they own this company that has some of like the biggest games and the best-selling games of all times under their control, you know, it's in their right to make it exclusive. I would not be surprised if Elder Scrolls Six had a timed release on Xbox Series X and PC. Or Doom. Or, like... They, they literally have three IPs that would drive people crazy. And that's the Elder Scrolls stuff, the Fallout stuff, and Doom. Mm-hmm. And we know how much... Oh, what's his name? It's not Phil Spencer. It's Todd... What? Oh, I can't Todd something or other. Yeah. We're going to call him Todd something Todd. or other until I remember <laughs> his name. The Todd. Um, we know how much Bethesda loved Microsoft already. Just remember, just think back. Bethesda would have its own show and they would show everything off on Xbox. And then Todd Howard, that's his name. Then he would show up to the Microsoft Expo almost every single time. And he'd get a second presentation. Fallout 4, as an example, was exactly like that. They showed it off twice in the same day. And mm-hmm. Sony users were pissed. And then they did it again with Vault 76, but we know how that ended. And you got to think Phil Spencer is going to be like, no, fix Fallout. We want that IP. We want that now. Like, let's mm-hmm. go. But I, as much as I would hate this to happen to Sony players, because I, I think as gamers, we all unite 
and we have something in common. We like to game. I know there's that whole like, I have a PC. Will I have a PlayStation? Will I have an Xbox? And then there's Switch players just being like, hi. But like in the console wars, the only true winner is the player. And as much as it would suck for Sony users to lose some of these titles, mm-hmm. it's about fucking time. <laughs> right. You know, as a Microsoft like owner. And yes, I've had the, I've, I'm very fortunate to have been able to afford a PS4. And I, I received a PS3 when like I eventually wanted one. But I never bought any of those items at launch. And yes, I'm very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to do or like to play those consoles and play some of the best AAA titles of all time because I've had access to all consoles. But for anybody who doesn't have that opportunity, like Microsoft players constantly get ridiculed. Yes, like, and it's the argument that's as old as time. Well, we have better exclusives. Well, we have better multiplayer. Both 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. But now Microsoft might have some good exclusives. And it's about time. <laughs> you know, not to say that the exclusives that Microsoft has had in the past or has are bad games, but they don't have the variety that Sony consoles have traditionally had do you think the gaming gods finally gave it to sony for dunking on xbox or microsoft back in the ps4 xbox one days when they were like sharing is as easy as handing your game to the next person and everybody laughed it was funny and then playstation 4 had that meteoric rise it was just like bang bang and they had like huge titles drop, right? Like that, like uh, we've talked about it already. But it's like we saw God of War for like two years. They never had Last of Us drop on that console until near the end of its generation, right? Or like mm-hmm. the end of its time generation. But they ha- they were like gifted with um, multiple Uncharted games, two Spider Man exclusive games, right? They have mm-hmm. all that stuff. But you saw the Xbox One just slowly chip away, right? Like it was like, oh, we have this big clunky console. No big deal. Then it got slimmer and it got sexier. And it it just became like this whole, like you wanted that Xbox experience. And then the Xbox One came out. And they were just like kind of like tongue in cheek. Like, well, and I always get this confused. But it was they gave players the ability to play 4k but not natively right it was upscaled Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that was something else that the playstation was never able to provide people it was like oh well cool we have a 4k blu-ray player and the playstation 4 the playstation pro Mm -hmm. but your games don't do dick like even microsoft was the first console to properly upscale 4k for netflix that's a big deal like all you had to do was update your software. Mm-hmm. So I I think over the last what is it now eight years because the uh, that generation started in 2013, right? Uh, yeah, right around there. So over the last eight years, Microsoft has continued to like fail and learn from its mistakes and grow and grow and grow. 
And it finally saw a pocket where it was just like, we've been sitting on this money. We've been looking for something good to acquire. We're never going to be able to afford something. Well, should never say never because Microsoft is the biggest computer company on the planet. Mm -hmm. But they sat there and laid in the weeds and they saw Xenomax come up and they dove on that shit. And it left people wondering, like, do you think Ubisoft was going to get in this game? No. EA could afford it. Just on microtransactions alone, EA can That's afford true. it. But, like, what's next? Is Microsoft going to go out and buy Activision? Or is Sony going to go buy Activision with their zero dollars? It's it's so crazy that for the first time in a long time, Microsoft fans can be excited about having the possibility of an exclusive that Sony players will want. That's true. And no disrespect to Halo or Gears of War, but what else do we really have? Yeah, nobody wants those right now. Well, everybody wants Halo. I wanted it at launch. Until you saw their tech demo. Yeah, because I thought it was played on a 360. But Microsoft fans also get to just bask in the glory of the fact that they're not going to have to pay for copies of... Well, if they have Game Pass Ultimate, that is. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have to pay for copies of The Evil Within, The Evil Within 2, Doom 3, the BFG edition, Dishonored, uh, Definitive Edition. Yeah, like you're getting the free Definitive Edition to play. Dishonored, Death of the Outsider, Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion, and Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind. Now, keep in mind, Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind looks like it was made for a baked potato. That game is terrible. I mean, it was good at the time, but there's no way it holds up. Um... Was there anything else on? I, I'm trying to go down our list, but I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. No, again, Tango uh, Tango Gameworks is Ghostwire Tokyo is the only other Bethesda title to be launched this year that has a timed exclusive for Sony. Everything else is up in the air, and rumors are very strong that Holiday 2021 Starfield will hit shelves. Will it be dropping on one console or two? That's a big thing. Um, two. Maybe not all at the same time, but it'll happen. You, you're you're pretty uh, you're pretty sure of yourself there. Yeah, I I think um, I think the next I would I'm gonna say two years is gonna be really interesting for games coming from Bethesda. Uh, or, and and the, the that entire ZeniMax company owned company, um, because I think we're going to start seeing some big exclusives for Sony from some of their companies. Like they're going to pump more money and and probably try and push out more more games, um, just to get people to back interested, yeah, to, like back into it, right? Now, um, if you had the choice, okay, so you're on Microsoft's executive team, okay? Mm-hmm. This is a big decision for you, David. I've I've come to you as a Bethesda executive being like, David, you have one choice. One of these two games could be Microsoft exclusive. The other one I'm going to sell on both consoles. Your choice is Elder Scrolls 6, which has no name, or Starfield. Which one are you allowing Sony to have? 
So I work for Microsoft. You are making the decision. Only one can be exclusive. This is no. this is your project. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't remember what Starfield is. That nobody knows what it is. It is a sci-fi RPG. It's Fallout in space. I'm going to say I would keep um, Elder Scrolls Six as a Microsoft exclusive. So you would say, I'm sorry. All you players who's played Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim, um, what was that other one? Summer, summer, summer something. You're thinking of Somerset, which was a uh, expansion for Elder Scrolls Online. Okay, well, yeah, still. <laughs> so all these people who paid their hard-earned money and have put countless, like hundreds of hours into Elder Scrolls, you're going to be like, nope, sorry. But you guys can have the new game. Yep. See. <laughs> if, if I was in the Microsoft executive shoes, I would look at two key factors. I just point, put two fingers in the air for people at home who aren't watching our video because we're not streaming it. Factor number one, what title is going to make me the most money? Nobody knows dick about Starfield aside from the fact that we saw the title screen three years ago. Elder Scrolls, on the other hand, everybody knows about yeah, but here's the thing. What's You're going to make more money on two consoles versus what, one. What's going to sell more consoles? Starfield. No. Elder Scrolls? Elder, Elder Scrolls. And that's the thing. is, is It ultimately comes down to, sure, the game will make money. It will sell millions at launch, right? But games will eventually slow down in sales. And they're going to go on deep discounts eventually, all that. But if you have a game that is exclusive to your system and you can't play it on anything else, people are going to buy that system for that game. You know, how many people have bought a Nintendo Switch just to play Animal Crossing? A bazillion people. Right? And that's the thing is people bought the system for the game. Uh, people don't buy system... Well. Like people don't buy buy games for a system if they can get it on anything, right? Like they'll a lot of times people will wait for uh, sales and stuff like that. But when the new hottest game comes out, especially one that people have experience with the previous ones in the series, like Elder Scrolls Five, like Skyrim is one of the biggest and best selling. Skyrim game or uh, Elder Scrolls games of all time, primarily because it's literally been on like seven generations of consoles and it's on mobile. It's on literally everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but people know the Elder Scrolls name, and when they release a new one, it is always a big deal. I would rather have a game that I know people are going to want to play. And regardless of how buggy it is, people are going to buy it because, you know, people know what to expect from that game and they're looking for more. Whereas Starfield, nobody knows anything about that game. So sure, people are going to buy it, but that is a game that people are going to wait for reviews and they're going to wait for previews and all of that stuff to make a decision on whether or not it's worth their money. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And the other thing is like Bethesda as a whole, we're not going to say Xenomax because... Most of the stuff that Xenomax makes, they just throw Bethesda sticker on it. If not all, like if you look at something like Doom, 
it's made by ID Software, which is owned by Xenomax, but it's published by Bethesda. Mm-hmm. So, like, they just left pocket, right pocket. If you look at a lot of their games, they have like a 60% success rate. Yes, like we're going to go over a list of their top 10 games that they've made and that like have sold the best. But when you look at even some of the, the games that went into the, the top 10, some of them are buggy as shit. And then there there are other games, and I, I hate to call out the the franchise that has failed seemingly twice in Rage. Like, we understand that it was like a a more steampunk punk version of Fallout, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, the same mechanics, but more junkyard steampunk versus mm-hmm. Raiders steampunk, I guess. Not only did it fail once, it failed twice. Like, people wouldn't even play that. Like, it had one of the lowest launch releases on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Trust me, like... I, I don't think it's right up there with Outer Worlds for me, but like I've contemplated downloading it a few times and I've just watched the video. I'm like, why would I? This doesn't seem like my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And that to me, like, yes, a lot of people love Bethesda for what it is. And like, don't get me wrong. I think like one of my favorite games of all time is made by Bethesda, but I've also had conversations in the last week before like we knew we were going to talk about this where people were trying to convince me to play um, Skyrim for the first time ever. So like, yeah, it's on Game Pass. Why don't you try it? Why don't you become a werewolf? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And like, I've, I've thought about it, but I've never really been interested in it. Like I played Elder Scrolls, Scrolls Online. I think I played it with you for like a hot minute. And I was like, this is boring. Deleted it. Elder Scrolls Online? Yeah, was it you? Um... I don't know. That's not really a a game I, that I feel like we downloaded it because it was free to play or something. Well, it's it's one of those games that I think it's on Game Pass right now and it has been forever. Um, it's like you buy the game and then there's no subscription. But I think you did download it because I was I bought it and it was an online thing. and We could technically play together, mm-hmm. um, but it's not. That was a problem with Elder Scrolls Online, and I think that's a topic for a completely other episode. Uh, that game, people were expecting the same style of gameplay as like uh, Skyrim, and it's it's very different, and, and amongst other issues that came up with the game. But um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Uh, you were talking about <laughs> Elder Scrolls Online and a completely different discussion for another day. Yeah. And that's where you left it. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm going to leave it because I honestly just forgot where, what I was talking about. All right. So then I, I will take over the conversation again. We came up with Bethesda's top 10 games. This is a, a list that we had a little bit of help curating from the internet, a lot of help curating from our minds, what we've played and what we haven't played. But we also wanted to make sure that you guys knew some games that didn't make the cut based off sales and just overall Playability. Well, Prey 2 was a lot better than Prey. Or no, not Prey 2. Was there a Prey 2? Did I imagine that? There was no Prey 2. No, it was it was rumored and everybody thought it was going to happen. And then it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Um, So Prey didn't make our list. The Evil Within did not make our list. Um, And for obvious reasons, aside, like for the fact that they were just terrible. Um, Fallout 76, Rage 2. And the original Morrowind did not make our list, even though the original Morrowind did sell a bunch of copies. 
it's unfortunately one of the only Elder Scroll games that just does not translate or hold up. Like, I mean, you can find a copy of Oblivion that's been upscaled properly and it doesn't look this bad. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, we, we, we decide based off of, you know, various factors, replayability, how well they sold and kind of, I would say legacy almost, you know, it is games that are continuously recommended. <laughs> yeah. And three franchises. I mean, what three franchises? Well, that's, <laughs> that's really when you think about it, that they only have a few franchises, but they're big. Like, yeah. Um, we we had a hard time determining the number 10 spot because it could have been Dishonored or Dishonored 2. We gave the edge to Dishonored because it brought a new IP to the table. Um, Arkham Studios had like they they produced a good one there, but like when it came down to it, Dishonored 2 didn't bring enough new to make us want to bump one off the list. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not going to jump. Okay. Mm. We, we are, uh, David and I are very stuttery today. We apologize. Um, number nine, elder scrolls online. They finally did it. They finally came up with a game that you could play with your friends. Now, everybody (laughs) was mildly happy with this. A lot of people enjoyed it. It did. It didn't have the same scope as something like a Skyrim. It had a, like a, a fairly rough launch though. Yeah. Um, when it first launched, it had, uh, pay to it was pay to play like so you had subscription to pay subscription service yeah. yeah subscription based and it it wasn't like I said it didn't meet people's expectations they wanted something that was more um, Skyrim or like a base off of the single player kind of experience but it's hard to do that in a multiplayer game and um, then eventually the game has it went free to play. You just have to buy the base game. Other games in the past have done that. Like uh, uh, now I'm drawing a uh, Guild Wars um, and Black Desert Online. You know these these are some games that same idea. You buy the base game. You don't have to pay a subscription, but they make their money through cash shops. And Elder Scrolls Online has cash shops, but a lot of the stuff is cosmetics. Like you can still buy like items that help you progress or like uh, items that help you like like healing items and shit like that. But for the most part, they've kind of, they've made the game something substantial and it has a very, very, very strong player base and they keep releasing new uh, expansions. Uh, I think one just released, I think it was gray, gray moon or something like that just released not too long ago. Uh, they even went back to Morrowind in one of their expansions. And, and they, so there's a ton of content in the game and, I have to confess something. I played the game. I have it. I go back to it every so often. I've, you just said you didn't play it. No, no, I do play it, <laughs> but I don't play it. Like I have it, but I haven't really played it in a while. But uh, one summer, this was back when I think we were still doing the three gem uh, podcast, right? Uh, back then that summer, I played a lot of it because I didn't really have much to do. I went to the gym every day, multiple times a day, and I come home and I would play Elder Scrolls online. I have put in probably in, in just like one month, 40 or 50 hours into game, which I understand for some people isn't a lot of, lot of game time, but you know, it's a decent amount of playing one game in a month. Right. Uh, I have not finished the second story quest. 
that that's okay though. Like that happens. I, I have started doing I started doing so many other side quests and everything that I don't even know where to go for the main story quest. And at this point I am so overpowered that I don't even know if they have a mechanic in the game to de-level someone to match it, the quest level that they're doing that I feel like I could probably do the next like 10 main story quests and just obliterate everyone. Every so often I think about going back to the game, mm-hmm. but I no, don't like I've thought about it a few times. It's just, if I'm going to do that, I might as well do Skyrim, right? Although Elder Scrolls Online is much newer. Number eight. This one was a good debate between us because I think while we don't have this kind of same debate through the top five or really the top seven from here on out, Wolfenstein deserved a spot. Wolfenstein deserved a spot on the list and we knew Youngblood was a terrible game. So we went with the new uh, Wolfenstein New Order. Great rebirth to the franchise. Yeah. Um, I mean, Wolfenstein games have been along as long as I've had DOS because I remember or just after DOS. So I guess Windows. What was that? Windows 3.1 where you could start playing 3D games. Uh, 95 yeah, Windows 95. Yeah. So like I remember that first like kind of side. It wasn't really side scrolly. It was just forward, left, right. Mm-hmm. Wolfenstein game. Great game. Um, that one's from Machine Game Works as well. Very, very fun if you like kind of like German neo-Nazi video games yeah. where you also have the hand of God and magical powers. It's a bunch of stuff. Um, do you have anything to add to Wolfenstein aside from like I, the narrative is good? <laughs> I think uh, it it was a, a good rebirth. Like you said, a good rebirth of the classic like Wolfenstein 64. Um, it, it, and it, it explored that universe mm-hmm. a lot more, added more story and depth to the characters, but it still had that excitement that the original game had with, um, you know, going through castle Wolfenstein and all of like the crazy, experiments that the Nazis had, but it had that, that arcadey feel still, which made Wolfenstein 60 or Wolfenstein 3d, sorry, such a, a good and popular game. Yeah, no, um, I'd agree. And I think with uh, Wolfenstein new, new order, they, they really hit the ball out of the park on their first go. And each one, uh, just kind of built on that, except for that co-op one that they made, which was what that was like new blood or y- young blood, young blood. Yeah. Which was, was it, super no, it, was, bizarre. it wasn't young blood. It was n- new Colossus. New, cl- no, new claw. <laughs> this is no, Hold I'm on. just we, going off the first word it, you're saying. Got it. Yeah, I know. Wolfenstein. There was Wolfenstein two new Colossus, which was the sequel, which was very well, um, received. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Oh, the old blood was kind of like a standalone expansion. That's it. Young blood. We've said young Wolf- blood like eight times. Yeah, I know. Wolfenstein young blood was the one that I think people didn't really get into. It was, I think it was a more of a, I don't know. It was a sequel to Wolfenstein two. Do you know what it kind of reminded me of? But it was a co-op online one, which I think, uh, they're trying to kind of copy what EA did with a way out. 
I was actually going to say, I think they made the same mistake uh, Microsoft Studios and Bungie did. Or was it Bungie that did ODST or was it Microsoft Studios? Uh, I think ODST was Bungie's kind of swan song. Yeah, but it was still bad. But. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> so, like, that's kind of the same feel. Uh, number seven, we get into the, the gutsy, glorious, or sorry, not glorious, glorious Doom Eternal. Awesome, right? Like yeah. It's just, just the follow-up game. But, like, it makes the top ten because it added so much to the franchise. And, like, Doom games also have been around since IDDKFA. If you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you even complain about something like that? You just can't. It's so good. And ID Software has made, like, they've made a ton of money on Doom. Yeah. Even when it got delayed. I think uh, with Doom, this was, like, one of the, the first, like, the first Doom, Doom 2016, was the first foray into kind of bringing back some of their old IPs in the arcade shooters, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of people that were kind of concerned about it. I know I played the closed beta, uh, multiplayer beta, and it had the same run and gun feel as the like Doom and like those arcade shooters, Quake, all that stuff, right? Yeah, all made by like the same companies, Unreal stuff like that. ID, um, and this it added like a story with this great arcade mechanics the multiplayer it didn't didn't last very long i don't think it kind of was short-lived but then uh doom eternal came out and it just took everything that they did right with the first game and just improved on it and it is a hard game but it's not so hard that it's impossible um i've started in recent years playing certain games on easy not because I am no good at the game, but because I don't want to spend all of my time struggling or getting caught up on certain parts of the game, right? Uh, as we get older, we have less time to spend playing video games. Unfortunately, that's how things are. That's the first so, rule of re- reviewing, too. Medium or easy, depending on the time. Right. The, the and, story will take. And so now, if I if I have, you know, a few hours on a weekend that I can play a video game in between doing my errands, then I'm going to play it on easy, right? Because I want to be able to enjoy as much as that, uh, much of that game as possible. And even if I am still, you know, I, I feel like a invincible God, just plowing through every enemy as if they were, you know, lukewarm butter that's been sitting out for a while and I'm using a hot knife, you know, that's fine. I'm not getting any less of the game than someone's playing it on hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but with doom eternal, even on easy, you know, it's you still, still have fucking hard. Yeah. You, you still have to manage your health packs. You still have to manage your ammo and stuff like that. There's a lot of times where I was finding that I didn't have any ammo and I had to run around and start doing like these um, melee combos just to acquire a few bullets for my gun. Right. Uh, it, it's tough, but it's, it's forgiving at the same time. Levels aren't impossible, um, but they still pose a challenge. And I think that's what in part made 
Doom Eternal so appealing is that even though you're playing it on easy, even if you suck at the game, you can still beat it, but it's still going to give you a challenge. Uh, and I think they really added more into the requirements of using your melee kills and your combos and stuff like that. So it made the, the game was very fluid. And I think if the, the changes or the, the controls didn't work as well as they did for the game, it wouldn't have done so well. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think the one thing about doom that's always kind of, admittedly been a struggle for me is I think the game's too fast. Like it's just so much is going on well, and I lose track of what you're supposed to do. And yeah, the doom games though, th- those are the arcade shooters, right? They're fast pace and just go, 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 keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, next we got fallout Four. <laughs> you're going to have to take this one away because I honestly didn't play much of this one. Fallout 4 versus Fallout 3. I'll do 5 and 6 at the same time. To get into the top 5, you had to do something special. Especially with some of the games on this list. And when it comes down to the differences between Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, there's no doubt in my mind that the fact that you could build your own base and people took that to the next level. You can you can go on YouTube and fall, find like... Um, um, like followed four built and it's like people have like hangers for their power armor and they've collected everything and they moved it all to one base. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you could have, I think it was up to 10 companions that like you could leave at your, your different camps and stuff. Amazing. Those were a lot of very positive changes and followed four was incredibly well received It one game of the year. It did everything it was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It even gave you the like, the difference between Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 was the amount of variety you could have in your story. So, like, there was the main story. There was thousands of side quests that they had loaded into the game, which was amazing. They also offered DLC, which gave you, um, I believe it was called, it was Nuka Land. It was, like, the theme park. So they made an entire expansion for that. And they also had an expansion for Under the Sea, which you can go to a vault that was underwater. Mm-hmm. Those were all the positives for it, for sure. And like, it's very hard to take that away. Fallout 4 and Fallout 3 had the same ending. Or very similar. You used like the Optimus Prime type of robot. And you still took down the Commonwealth, no matter what faction you were in. To win the game. The biggest difference between Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 is Fallout 3, you had to buy an expansion pack to continue the game or you died at the end of the game. Spoiler alert, the game's 15 years old. Chill out. <laughs> Fallout 3 hey, also I won. I haven't beaten it yet. You'll never beat it. I know. Fallout 3 also won Games of the Year. I remember receiving that as a gift, and I want to say probably second year. It was like probably 2009 I got that gift. And it was based off the fact that I saw, oh, this is going to date myself and a few other people, but. I remember watching was it was either reviews on the run or N4G, not N4G. Was it N4G? The the show Olivia Munn hosted before she became like a really insanely popular actor. Attack the show. That's the one. And also EP Daily had it, and I watched it so much that I had to have it. I remember receiving it as a gift from a roommate and they were like, yeah, we just thought you'd really like it. Like happy birthday type of thing. And I remember like 
I remember dropping people for Call of Duty to play a single player game where I would just be glued to my TV fighting super mutants. Though that's why they're six and five. Um, the top four are going to be surprising because they are all over the place. Oblivion is number four. And Oblivion was the, the architecture for Fallout 3. Like, the yeah. game is literally the same, just different skin. It's, it's just like, reskinned. Yeah, it's like watching a Michael Bay movie. And, like, to the point, <laughs> like, picking locks, identical. Like, it's all the same. But Oblivion was first. That's why it's in fourth. I really have nothing much to say about Oblivion. Because you all know what's coming. We know this is what started the Elder Scrolls series and really made it pop. Number three, again, we're not going to talk about it too, too much because David already talked about it. And it would be doing no justice if it didn't make the top five, which would be Mm -hmm. Doom, the 2016 one. And it brought back a nostalgia factor for gamers that played Doom in the 90s. And they loved Doom in the 90s. And it just really reaffirmed your love for that kind of like gory hack and not even hack and slash, but like shoot and slash kind of game. Like you had your chainsaw, you had your guns, you had everything. It was great. The top two games. And I I know I blew through the, those three for a little bit because I wanted to spend a little time on both. His two, these two games are still widely regarded as some of the best games ever created. Now, don't get me wrong, Fallout 3 should be in this spot. But I'm going to explain to you why it's not. Because <laughs> Fallout 3 sucks. No, no Fallout 3 is the reason this game exists. But Fallout 3 was created by Bethesda. Now, Fallout New Vegas was made entirely by Obsidian. And like Bart stealing a Danish... Bethesda was like, yoink, took pretty much all credit for this game. And it mm-hmm. is it is a cult classic when it comes to games. The, the mechanics are different. The game feels different. The fact that you have choice, like you have the choices between being good and bad, just like in Fallout 3, but you also can start to choose factions, which is what Fallout 4 did incredibly well. Mm-hmm. The Mojave Desert was great. The California New Republic. The the fact that they try and get you away from the Brotherhood of Steel, but still kind of have it available. Also really big. And the fact that up until recently, um, do you remember what the expansion was called for it? Uh, There was a bunch. No, the massive mod that just came out. Oh, no. Oh, New Vegas... I think it's called the frontier. That sounds right. Something like that. Yeah. 20 years later or 15 years later, they've like the new Vegas community has built a full Nexus mod and the game looks incredible. Out of all the games we've talked about so far, the big thing that they have in common is Bethesda stuck to its roots. Mind you, in the case of new Vegas, they might've stolen a few things. Because this is when Obsidian and their relationship started to die. Which is also kind of funny because Microsoft owns Obsidian as well. So you know the next Fallout game is going to be absolute fire. Right. What do they all have in common? Consistency. They're a little buggy. 
but consistent. And when it comes to Bethesda Softworks games, I always like to think of them kind of like a Big Mac. You know, no matter what McDonald's you go to, the Big Mac's pretty much going to taste the same, right? And I say pretty much, I'm like 99% of the time, the Big Mac's always going to taste the same. And you know, when you sit down to play a Bethesda game, whether it be Doom, Wolfenstein, Elder Scrolls, Fallout, you're going to get the same thing. And the game that really sticks out for that and just the quality and where it pushed all of their franchises, no disrespect to Fallout 3, which did a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. But because, as I said, without, without Oblivion, you wouldn't have Fallout 3. And without Fallout 3, they would not have had the money, the resources, or the time to make Skyrim. And Skyrim, to this day, is still a top 20 streamed game. It's still like it has its own following, its own yeah. cult. It is everything. And this is why the Elder Scrolls Online didn't hold up. And this is why people are so concerned about the Elder Scrolls 6, even though David says it should be an exclusive to Microsoft. Nothing could ever meet the standard that Skyrim created for itself. And that's why it's our number one game for Bethesda. That was sexy. Right? I, I built that up pretty well, Great. I thought. That was, yeah. <laughs> I got chills going down my spine. But it's, I got it's, chills. They're multiplying. It's true, though. And I'm like, losing control. How many game franchises can you talk about? Or even companies. And we bitch about EA and, and Ubisoft a lot. Yeah. Far Cry. Yeah, the games are cookie cutters and they don't really reinvent themselves. Far Cry 3 reinvented itself. Far Cry 4, they quadrupled the map and it kind of fell apart. Cool. Battlefield. See, if I listen close enough, I can hear crickets. (laughs) Need for Speed. Okay. NHL, FIFA, Madden. The thing is with EA, right? Like a lot of their games, like they try and reinvent their games, but they just don't happen. You know what? I will give EA a little bit of credit because the one game they haven't reinvented and it pissed off their own community, but they still play it as The Sims 4. To the this point, like that, that game's been out for friggin' eight, nine years, maybe longer. I don't even know when that game. Can you check while I rant, please? Which one? The Sims 4? Yeah. The fact of the matter that they had the journey to Bat 2 piss off their entire fan base. And then they were still like, oh, baby Yoda, I'll put him on my front lawn. And then they forgave him. Sims 4 released in September of 2014. That's still so old. That's seven years old. That is a a fairly old game because The Sims 3, that one came out in 2009. So The Sims 3 was one of the, was like like a, a huge game for them. Because um, that was like a major update or upgrade from The Sims 2, which everyone that I knew played. But, sorry, I want to look up something really quick while we're talking about this, because I just I, I have this feeling that. Um, OK, 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 Game Pack, Spas. OK, so when did Journey to Bat 2 came out? September 2020. And they have since released. One, two, 
three stuff packs, which cost about $10 Canadian each. They have three kits coming out, which are throwback fit kits, the country kitchen kit, and the bus, the dust kit, which a lot of feminists are really upset about the fact that you can give your Sims a vacuum and a duster. I was watching a bunch of TikToks on that, and I just, the Sims wormhole is just too much for me to handle. <laughs> and they also, after that, re- released a full game expansion called the Snowy Escape. They've released five things since the controversial Star Wars thing, and people still don't give a shit. They're like, yeah, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'm pretty sure Chris will eventually buy Star Wars just to say she has a complete game. Because that's oh, the course. way it works. That's how it always works, right? So at the end of the day, and the, my last thought on Bethesda as a whole is kind of an open letter to Bethesda or uh, a small verbal essay, if you will. Now that you have all this money and resource behind you because you are owned by a tech giant, take advantage, take your time, and make Elder Elder Scrolls 6, Starfield, Fallout anything better than 76, Doom whatever. Take care and make these games properly, and you will keep us coming back. We are all heavily invested in a lot of your your IPs because you do something to a high standard with consistency. Nobody's ever going to take that away from you. Elder Scrolls and Fallout are like a Big Mac. You know no matter where you go, you're going to get the same thing. You get a Fallout game, they misstepped on 76. It did not taste like a Big Mac. It's like a veggie Big Mac. But then they fixed it and people love it now. They're like, oh yeah, we forgot to add meat and NPCs. Cool. But they fixed it. At least they tried. That's that's more than we can say about a lot of companies we deal with. Look at CD Projekt Red. They're still dealing with the backlash and the lawsuits from Cyberpunk 2077. I wish you the best of luck with Microsoft. I hope to hell that it works out. And for funzos, I'd love for a few exclusives that Sony can't have. Because it'd just be funny for us once to have like a win. And yeah, it sounds like I'm a huge like, oh my god. The, the scene on screen guys are super Microsoft homers. Yeah, they're, they're our console of choice. So, David has a PS5, but he likes his Xbox better. I'm saying that. Yeah, I, might be, <laughs> I might be wrong, but I also do know he loves his Xbox. Yeah, I do. I You know what and, I love the most about my Xbox though right now is my sweet-ass red controller. Do you know what I love the most about my Xbox? It's not a PlayStation 5. hey Oh, Now, snap. we wouldn't be doing you guys justice without taking the last, like, 10 minutes of our show. Um, and I'm only we're only giving it a small amount of time because David and I are trying to get a more Marvel-savvy person onto the show to kind of talk to us about the, the Easter eggs that we missed. And what kind of everything means for us. Yeah, and, and to try and convince me as to why I should like the show. But we are we are going to have a, a WandaVision-centric show. The other thing we wanted to wait for was the the making of episode. Because there's been some interviews that have come out in the last few days with like Kevin Smith. 
And it has been made known to the public that because of the pandemic, some major scenes got left on the cutting room floor and they didn't have enough content to make a 10th episode, which made it more difficult for them. But they had this whole thing where Monica and Darcy were going to try and um, get the book. And there was a whole thing with senior scratchy and who it could have been overall. I I'm, I'm so excited to hear David's take. And then I'll kind of ask you a few questions to see kind of where you were at. And I'll, all I got to say is like, guys, I'm so sorry for all the, uh, the theories I had where I thought things were going to happen <laughs> because nothing happened. Oh my God. Did nothing happen? All right, David, let's Was have it, it buddy. Let's such have it. a waste of a series. Okay. So some interesting things that did happen, you know, Uh, yeah, I got nothing. No, <laughs> so we, we got to see Wanda's outfit that kind of miraculously came out of nowhere. That was kind of cool. Um, yeah, she finally got her way and no longer is showing cleavage. Which, you know was what? Was that like a real thing? In yeah, real she, was, she was upset that all the other um, female superheroes did not have to show cleavage, but she felt like she did. And the traditional costumes like were what they were. It's not like she had to wear the, the 19 like nineties costume, but go on. Yeah. Um, honestly, like that, the last episode just, it felt almost like Batman versus Superman. Uh, I did not once hear anybody yell. <laughs> Martha. I, I just feel like the, 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 battle and the fight just kind of went on it was the whole episode essentially um they it's it's tough because i feel like they were going somewhere but like like you said you know if if there was a lot of stuff that was cut from the series you know that they didn't have enough time to make a 10th episode everything kind of just in a sense fell apart and now we are left with Wanda kind of back to square one, except now she's Scarlet Witch and she can, when she, I guess when her powers come out, her outfit changes. Um, I think it was good that she, they, they made her kind of connect with herself in the sense that she needs to let go of, holding on to vision and the life that she made in the town. Right. Cause uh, she was shown that she was actually hurting everyone in there and that they didn't actually want that. And they weren't happy. Uh, but the, the whole thing with, with witches and all that stuff, like granted part of me, I don't really like that whole witchcraft kind of story stuff, like in anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really interested in that. And I think that kind of took away with what they were trying to do. But I thought that Agatha, it's Agatha, right? Is that the evil person? Hello? Yeah, Agatha. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry, I I was, I'm trying to process everything you're saying to me. Because, Uh, like, I'm trying to come up with a, how do you put it, a coherent rebuttal. 
but you're jumping all over the place. But oh, yes, sorry. Agatha. It, yeah. Well, that's the thing is like the whole final episode was kind of all over the place. It had little bits of everything. And then ultimately it ended and it was like, that was it. Um, yeah, it wasn't my favorite episode. I liked the episode, bef- the the two episodes I, previous to it. I liked. A lot I honestly better. think the episodes, the two previous ones were better, even though I dislike, I think uh, like prequel or origin stories are well overdone and they decided to do an origin story as episode what like six or seven yeah but they also faked a lot of it too right like it was her manipulating her memory which was also kind of cool in a way um the one thing that i did find interesting and i'm actually intrigued for is how they managed to bring back vision in the real world Right, like how oh, white vision, white vision, yeah. Um, that whole kind of fight between white vision and colored vision, as I will refer to the, I guess red vision, as I will refer to him from now on, um, was kind of vision, but cool. was kind of well, no, because he's not real. He was oh, a figure of her imagination, kind of thing. Um, the fact that they had a an explanation and. Ex- kind of explain to everyone who was watching what was going on while explaining to white vision what was going on even though we all knew that he was a, a digital recreation and white vision was real right we all know that but the way that they connected those characters and we thought that he was evil but then ultimately he becomes good i guess mm-hmm. we could we can hope right uh it was interesting because that character died in a miraculous way in the movies. Right. And now he's back, but he's a new character. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate him into whatever the next, um, phase of the Marvel cinematic universe is. Cause there's guaranteed he's going to show up. Right. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, how his interactions with Wanda take place in the movies. But I'm also curious as to, I, we don't know is Wanda good or is she bad? I think she's going to be the, the beginning villain of um, what's it called? Um, Dr. Strange and the Dr. multiverse Strange. of madness. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is they, the way that the episode ended, it kind of ended with her, in a, a type of redemption, right? Like she undid what she created and you know, okay. She, she walked away with her hood up and that's the, that's the cinematic sign of, Ooh, this person's bad. But at the same time, like she's probably also still in hiding, (laughs) you know? So I don't know. There's a lot to take in for that episode, but ultimately I think it fell flat for a, season finale especially for something that was so short also did you did you think they kind of like cheapened part of the ending by going like she just kind of reversed everything and ended up on the plot of land and then just drove away like the house re-exploded and it was just like oh done yeah well, and that's the thing is like it, it kind of just everything ended up being everything that happened ended up being erased and insignificant 
kind of going back to this, the few events that happened in the first few episodes where, you know, she'd be, or I guess the one where they were out on the street and they saw the beekeeper coming out of the, the uh, sewer, right? Which we did eventually learn was uh, a sword agent trying to in- infiltrate into Westview. But when she sees that and she says no and everything erases, it kind of defeats that whole thing. Right. Yeah. Erase that. And now at the, they literally end the season or the the series with everything that happened just being erased. Yeah. Like she freed everybody she accidentally imprisoned. And like it was very clear to me that like something manipulated her into doing what she was doing. Like, yes, she was grief stricken, but like you, you could see how she was convinced. To, to kind of go find Vision, mm-hmm. right? Like, it wasn't just her thing. The thing about White Vision that kind of really was interesting to me was why didn't he come back to help? In Age of Ultron, he didn't know who he was. He's like, I'm not a son of... Or he's like, I'm not Ultron. I'm not Jarvis. I am. And then he just stops talking. And when he has his memory rebooted and everything kind of like given to him from Vision, who also somehow was able to unlock his memories without knowing his memories, which was just kind of weird to me. I was like, okay, so why didn't he help out? Where did he go? How did he leave the hex? Where is he? Is he going to go try and find Stark? Because Stark is dead. Where is he going to go? Natasha's dead. Like all the leaders of the Avengers are gone. And the the reason you really know this is when you watch Spider-Man Far From Home, like they do that whole memorial thing. And it's like, like the vision is also dead. So he's clearly in hiding. Where is he? Where did he go? So that was also kind of confusing, even for like me who watches this kind of stuff. Religiously, I think they made way too much of a big deal on like who the space engineer was. And then like the like if you want to take it one step further, the whole Monica Rambo at the very end of the episode in the post credit scene where it's like, oh, yeah, he wants to see you. We all know it's fucking Nick Fury or the Skrull guy that she's going up to space to see. You're not going to go up and see the Fantastic Four. Marvel can't afford that. Well, I mean, they could, but. Well, we know it's Nick Fury because he's in space with the Skrulls. Yeah, so we know that. And then the flippity flip is the second post credit scene. Oh, there was two? Did you not see it? <sighs> uh, which one was it? It's, I might have seen it. It's like a drone shot over a lake and she's sitting at a cottage. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Quickly look it up while I talk. I, I will afterwards. <laughs> Anyways, like, well, you can't argue with me then. But yeah, so like she's um, she's using uh, she's doing the Doctor Strange thing where she's using her body's force to like learn that that dark the dark hold. But she's outside of her body as well. She's like walking around her cottage. And she could hear her kids say, Mom, help. Her kids didn't exist. Or did they? This is or she's crazy- just gone crazy. Yeah, like that's the whole thing. Like the hex just, it's, I thought most of the series was done really well. I was actually fairly impressed with how it ended. I just, 
I had more questions unanswered than I thought I would. And that really upset me because I like, and now like that the interviews are coming out and I think it's a little bit of damage control. Mm-hmm. Say like, it's so easy to blame COVID, but if they couldn't shoot and like, they did have a hiatus where like Paul Bettany did say like, it was very tough to record some of the stuff. And that's why you kind of noticed the last few episodes, like a lot of the main actors are separated. Did you really like, did you pick up on that? Like even when yeah, they're converging they're kind of within different scenes and, and yeah, they're converging or proximity of each other. Yeah. It's really, really weird. So, I mean, good for you guys for getting it done. I'm hoping two things like I'm going to give the series a solid eight based off enjoyability. The fact that it followed house of M pretty, pretty well, but we didn't get the ending that we could have got. Like there was no Luke Skywalker cameo. It was either an insane troll or I don't know. Like that, there was nothing. Mm hmm. Luke Skywalker esque, like that at the end of the Mandalorian, even though we kind of suspected it was hype. Cause you're just like, Oh, like we've talked about this before you see an X wing and you kind of hope based off all the clues you've gotten. And then you see the lightsaber and you're just like, Oh my God. But like, again, who is going to come and save her? We knew Spider-Man couldn't based off process of elimination. Mm -hmm. And we knew Dr. Strange couldn't. And Doctor Strange was the most logical one to come. So, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I'm very hopeful that the six-part series of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is really, really good. Which comes soon. And then we're going to get Black Widow's movie at the end of April. And then we have another TV series. We have a Star Wars series coming up in the summer. We've got so much content. Which is super exciting. And I'm, I'm hoping that they take these the series and they start off strong and they don't, they don't leave it to people to like analyze every scene and every episode to try and piece something together that ultimately isn't there. Kind of yeah, like we what happened with. So we get with, six uh, weeks of, Falcon and the Winter Soldier from March 19th on. And then Loki drops in June. On May 7th, we get the Black Widow. And on July 9th, we get Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, mm-hmm. We get the Eternals movie on November 5th. And then closing out the year, we get Spider-Man. Back into the TV world. So after Loki, which I believe is eight episodes... We get What If, which is going to be pretty good. I think, like, it's, I'm pretty sure it's all, like, animated and stylized. Yeah. Hawkeye could be good. Miss Marvel could be good. Moon Knight could be good. She-Hulk, but that's all 2022. So Ms. Marvel will be kind of how the year ends. We're going to be so spoiled this year with the amount of content we're getting. And that's just some Marvel stuff. I can pull up the, the Star Wars calendar, but I, I think we only get two series this year, right? Mm-hmm. Which is... Um, release dates, 2021. What do we get? We get the Mandalorian on Christmas day, which Merry Christmas to us. Right. Um, and I think we get Obi-Wan. We get the bad batch on May 4th, which is Disney plus that's animated. Mm -hmm. Uh, we get the book of Boba Fett on in December. 
I don't know how many episodes that is, but it's going to run at the same time as The Mandalorian. Oh, it's been delayed. Never mind. The Mandalorian Season 3, TBA. Well, Ahsoka, I think TBA. It, it was uh, Mandalorian Season 3 and Ahsoka was, weren't actually announced but or for an actual release date, but Book of Boba was for Christmas. So we don't have a ton of Star Wars coming up, but... We're going to get enough. I thought Obi-Wan was coming out this year, though. Uh, No. Like, you know, I I don't want to be the person who says this, but like Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen aren't getting any younger. And yeah, you're going to be burying Hayden behind a mask. But like Mm -hmm. how much like Obi-Wan's age different? I mean, I guess you could pull it off because Ben Kenobi was so sorry. Yeah, it was Ben Kenobi. Was what they called him in A New Hope, right? I'm not making that up. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, he went to go see old Ben. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Like, he was so old. No offense to him, but the timeline, you could literally drop Obi-Wan wherever you want. The problem is it's supposed to happen not that long after Revenge of the Sith. So what are we doing? <laughs> like, are you going to digitally make him younger? Uh, they will. Absolutely, they will. <laughs> so that's where we're going to leave WandaVision. David, you can you can definitely close it out with a final thought on WandaVision if you want. I can't because we're going to have that episode. I was going to just say we are going to have an episode where we break it down a little bit with a special guest as long as we can get the booking lined up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it for this one. Oh, Two more questions. Well, two more things. David, I have a really quick question for you because I'm curious. What is the last television show you watched? Uh, The Rookie. Okay. I want to actually watch The Rookie. I haven't watched it It's great. We just finished finished season two. And what streaming service can I watch this on? I do not know. Are you going to say The Seven Seas? (laughs) Yes. Um, and what was the last video game you played? Uh, Bravely Default 2. So those universes have now crossed over. That is your life. The Rookie Bravely Default 2. Uh, a new, a new guard is thrown into, he's the oldest guard of the, the castle. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It was just a dumb post I saw. Yeah, Mine was yeah, Futurama was... and Call of Duty Warzone. And well, that I could was, be fun. I was totally for that. Like just yeah. your carrot, you're like fry running around or I don't know. I've been really enjoying that. Second thing is, guys, if you listen to us on iTunes, remember to hit follow because subscribes will be taken away as of the next iOS update. That is a very key thing. If you want to stay up to the day, up to date with our show, and you want to keep following along, you now just have to hit follow, not subscribe. That is it for this one. If you like it, obviously tell people you like it. Follow us on Instagram. Communicate with us. Ask us questions. Rip on David. We love it all. But for myself and my good friend, David, we want to thank you for listening. (laughs) Yes, that is you. I'm David. We'll see you next week on the Scene on Screen podcast. Peace.